Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today I have a very special guest on. Our topic today is harnessing the power of positive psychology. So of course, I had to bring a guest on today who lives, eats, and breathes the whole world of positive psychology. So her name is Olivia Ellis. She's been a guest before, and she is a PhD student in positive developmental psychology. So Olivia, I would love to have you come on and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, Angie, it is so good to see you again, and I can't wait to continue to build upon previous conversations, uh, talk more about positive psychology, uh, because I really do... I study positive psychology. I try to integrate it as best I can in my life. And um, it's really what I try to focus on in the fitness industry is integrating positive psychology in the fitness industry. So I'm just really excited to be here. Uh, Yes, so my PhD that I'm working on is in positive developmental psychology. So I look at a lifespan and really what allows someone to live their best life. Positive psychology was really coined the science behind happiness, uh, but we know it's a little bit more complex than that. My research in particular is on love, but again, I try to apply it to the fitness industry. Um, So I'm just really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, good. Well, you know, and don't worry, because I'm going to ask you about love. So we are going to, I am going to have to ask you about love later and what love has to do with fitness. So, but, you know, it's interesting that you said that about positive psychology and it's turned like the happy psychology. And I feel like when positive psychology first came out, it was almost like pop psychology, but really positive psychology, there's so many benefits. It's about kind of the flip side of the coin. So in mental health, a lot of times we talk about pathology and treating mental illness, but positive psychology is the opposite of focusing on pathology and what's wrong. And instead to me, positive psychology focuses on what's right or what's working and looks at how to promote overall well-being. What is that kind of how you would describe it? Absolutely. Yeah. The whole field of psychology, as you mentioned for the longest time was kind of doing research on when things weren't working well. And so Martin Seligman uh, actually challenged the field of psychology and said, uh, yes, we want to keep studying this. But in addition to that, let's look at when things are working well, how can we replicate those experiences? How can we apply those experiences elsewhere? And this is really where the the field kind of started. Now, uh, in a perfect world, it would just all be under the umbrella of psychology where um, positive psychology is just kind of and it is integrated in psychology in general, but uh, it really was just a call to try to understand um, when things were working well and how we can replicate that. Yeah, and and really that is, that's exactly right, because it's like we can still, psychology still can focus on pathology and mental illness and how to help people feel better, but we can integrate those principles of positive psychology and say, okay, but when things are working, how do we build a framework for helping people to feel better? And that's one of the first things that I want to talk about today, because I promised in the description that when we were going to talk about harnessing the power of positive psychology, we were going to talk about PERMA. And I'm sure everybody out there is like, PERMA, I really want to know what PERMA is. And so, Olivia, let's talk about PERMA. And first, just tell me, how did it get started? And then define it, and then we'll break through all the different components of PERMA. I love it. So, 
Herma, I mentioned a psychologist named Martin Seligman, who was one of the founding fathers of positive psychology. And Martin Seligman created this model called PERMA, which is building blocks to well-being. So if you work on these individual elements, and PERMA is an acronym, if we work on these individual elements, it can help to uh, increase our level of well-being or increase our level of flourishing. And so PERMA, the acronym stands for positive, uh, positive emotions, engagement, positive relationships, meaning, and accomplishment. And each of these elements in PERMA are, uh, can be studied and researched on their own. However, when we work on one, so for example, if I work on my positive emotions, it can also help to elevate the other ones as well. Um, because when I'm feeling better in general or experiencing more positive emotions, I might notice that uh, my interactions with other people, such as in other relationships, might improve as well. So um, there are also elements that we tend to pursue just on their own. Um, so they're, they're just kind of intrinsically motivating. We're drawn to them and drawn to increasing the levels of them. So that's kind of what PERMA breaks down to as an acronym. Okay, awesome. So by the way, I just want to reintroduce you, Olivia. So I'm talking to Olivia Ellis, and she is a PhD student in positive developmental psychology. A lot of Olivia's research is on love. And uh, we are talking about harnessing the power of positive psychology. And one of the best ways to do that it, do this is to talk about PERMA. Because Olivia, I feel like in our society, it's promoted that, you know, there's even a song by Pharrell about just be happy. And we are always looking for ways. And you kind of touched on this. We all want to feel happy. But what is happy? It's like this elusive concept that all of us set out. Like, I just want to feel happy. And, and sometimes even I'll talk with clients and I'm like, well, what is your goal? Well, I just want to feel happy. And so my first question is always, well, what is happy to you? And so when I was reading an article before this podcast, I was reading an article about by Martin Seligman and talking about PERMA and how really, if I understand it right, the idea was that it's hard to define happiness, but what we can define is how to live a good life. And PERMA is concepts associated with if we integrate these PERMA concepts, maybe we can live a good life. Do I have that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I completely agree. I think the industry started with how do we become happy? And now it's moving it into a direction of how can we live well um, in terms of well-being? Because happiness can be fleeting. And if we're constantly pursuing certain types of happiness, like hedonic, um, hedonic forms of happiness, things that are kind of fleeting in nature, they can make us happy, they can be healthy for us, or maybe not so healthy for us, um, things that just kind of make us feel good and happy. If we're constantly pursuing those, we, um, we might not have very high of a level of well-being in the long run. So PERMA kind of looks at hedonic ha happiness, things that, that bring us joy in the moment, and then also eudaimonic forms of, of happiness as well, things that are more enduring, uh, that in the long run, when we're looking back on our lives, we're happy with the lives that we've built and the goals that we've set and kind of what we've created. 
So kind of shifting from focusing just on being happy to focusing on living a good life and what that entails. And yes, positive emotions such as joy and contentment are a part of that, but it's also a balance of all the emotions that are important in order for us to feel what true happiness feels like. If I only felt happy all the time and I just had positive emotions all the time, I might not be as grateful for those positive emotions versus if I'm feeling the full spectrum of emotions. And not only that, but when I'm able to really feel this full spectrum of emotions, I'm not numbing any form of, of emotion. Yes. So yeah. if I cut off those negative emotions entirely. I really won't be able to feel those positive emotions to the full extent. So it's about the full depth and breadth of emotions. But yes, feeling those positive emotions is important in terms of well-being and flourishing in the long run. Well, and also when you think about positive emotion, like you said, if you're constantly seeking this, I just want to feel happy. I want this. I want to, I want to grasp happiness in the moment. I want to feel good in the moment. I do feel like that's where some pathology sets in where addictions become more heightened because we just want to do something to feel good and to numb what feels bad. But even in my, I wrote an article for American Fitness Magazine on exercise and anxiety and the role of exercise and mitigating anxiety. And I talked about experiencing the full available range of emotions, just like in the gym, we want our clients to experience full range of motion when they're exercising. And so I hear you say that, and that makes a lot of sense. And I want to ask you a little bit more, Olivia, about positive emotion. So let's, you know, what are some ways to build positive emotion? Because like a simple way that I can think of is spending time with people that I care about that builds positive emotion. And that's something that I'm going to want in the long run. That's something when I look back on my life, I'm not going to care about how many hours of work I worked a week. I'm going to care about how much time I spent with my family. So what else do you think builds positive emotion for people that's more long lasting? I love that. I agree that healthy relationships can definitely improve our, our, our levels of positive emotion. Um, there are other strategies that is, that have also worked well in terms of, um, like such as gratitude journaling. I wrote an article that was about incorporating savoring into the fitness industry. So finding when you're, when you're looking at a workout and you're reflecting on a workout, trying to identify something that went well in that workout and then really kind of holding on to that moment, savoring it and really being in that moment, uh, recognizing the effort that you put in, what you've accomplished, what you've achieved and really kind of taking that on. And savoring is a practice that can be applied to pretty much anything that we're doing. So for example, when I'm sitting here right now, I could be saying that, uh, I'm savoring that morning cup of coffee that I had, and that would really bring me uh, positive emotions in the moment. And not only that, but savoring is a really great strategy to kind of reinforce certain behaviors. So in the fitness industry, if I just finished a fitness class and I'm savoring some moment of that fitness class, it, it again reinforces that behavior. It makes me more likely that I'll want to return to that behavior because I'm associating this positive emotion with it and really recognizing what I achieved. So I think po uh, positive emotions through people that we interact with, through 
savoring through music. Music can be a great way in the moment to kind of boost positive emotions, something that brings us joy. Uh, so this could be in the fitness industry again, when we are selecting our music, what's the word choice in the music? What's the overall attitude? Um, however, not all emotions are impact us the same. So we might have emotions that are positive in, uh, that are positive emotions. However, the impact that it has on, um, our, where we set our focus is different depending on the emotion. So the, there's such a thing called motivational intensity for emotions where uh, higher motivational intensity emotions are things that we're really drawn to. And these are the stronger positive emotions that we tend to think about such as excitement, um, things that give us a thrill. And these are things that we're really drawn to. And then lower motivational intensity emotions such as feeling calm, feeling at ease, feeling grateful. These would be considered lower motivational intensity emotions. And they can impact our, our focus when we're working out. So if I really want to be focused and driven during, uh, during a workout or in life, I might want to choose focusing on a higher motivational intensity emotion. However, if I want to be more clear-headed when I'm working out, uh, I might want to choose focusing on a calmer emotion such uh, or a lower motivational intensity emotion such as calmness because it'll allow me to kind of think more widely, kind of see the whole forest, not an individual tree when I'm looking out on things. So incorporating more positive emotions can be so healthy. And then in terms of when we're working out, they can impact how we're working out in a few different ways, which I find to be really interesting how not all positive emotions are exactly the same. So, you know, I got stuck on the word savoring. I can't get that out of my mouth. It's actually made me somewhat hungry. And also my husband and I played this little game over coming up with quote, new words that we like to hang on to and, you know, who gets to develop the new word for the day. And then it becomes this word we latch onto. But I do love the word savoring, especially as it applies to the fitness industry, because we think of savoring in terms of food, but of course, that makes sense. I'm going to savor what went well during the workout. So I'm going to walk away. I always used to tell clients, come up with three positive adjectives to hang on to about that workout that you just did. So I feel empowered. I feel strong. I feel happy. So it's like savoring those three adjectives that define what went well in that workout. And to me, positive emotion is just that. It's hanging on to what went well. It's hanging on to what's working instead of focusing on what didn't go well or what didn't work. Because we know that we all have a full range of emotions, but it's the positive emotion that we want to build. So, I love, I love how you applied that, Angie. And what a, what a great way to incorporate that into a fitness class or a personal training session. Uh, just encouraging people to reflect back on their experience and recall the, the good from it. So I completely agree. All right. Well, let's go on to engagement because permit is positive emotion. And the second part of permit is engagement. And, you know, when I think about engagement, I think you're probably going to talk about flow. 
because engagement is, from what I understand, very interrelated to flow. And flow is that experience of I'm completely at one with the universe, at one with the activity that I'm doing. Flow is what every time I run, I'm like, please let me experience flow, but it never happens. So <laughs> tell us about engagement or flow, whichever way you want to go with that. <laughs> I love that, Angie. Um, yes, flow is that amazing feel-good experience where you're fully absorbed in the task at hand. It's as if everything else kind of fades away around you. And it's really, it first started being researched in the area of creativity. So looking specifically at artists and how they were able to, I think the stereotype is uh, like the painter that is working on that work of art and wakes up in the morning and starts working on the masterpiece. And then they forget that it's all of a sudden evening and they forgot to leave their house or something. They just lost track of time because they were so absorbed. And so you're talking about running. Think about how beneficial that could be to have in the fitness industry, really, where people can be fully focused on their physical activity. It's just, it's it's almost this rewarding experience, this intrinsically motivating experience, something that people uh, just lose track of time doing. And one of the common complaints that I've gotten in the fitness industry from uh, clients or people who come into group fitness classes in the past, one of the reasons that they haven't stuck with it uh, prior to, you know, working together as they might say, you know, I always felt like I was looking at the clock or uh, something along those lines. It, it just felt boring to me. And so we had this uh, previous podcast where we really explored in depth the concept of flow. And this is really what engagement is. It's that bridge of understanding a person's level of skill set, meeting them where they're at, and a certain level of challenge. So looking at challenge to be right at that skill set or slightly exceeding that skill set. So um, because if someone feels like they're being way too challenged for their current level of skill set, that could lead to feelings of burnout, feelings of anxiety. On the other hand, if they feel they are not being challenged enough, it could lead to boredom, such as I keep wanting to watch the clock. Um, right. So flow is definitely engagement. Yeah, well, and you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because I was going to say that. So Olivia and I did a prior podcast specifically devoted to flow. And Olivia, you've done a lot of research on this. And I know you wrote an article about flow. So definitely in terms of engagement and being able to really engage our clients in the fitness industry, check out that podcast on flow because there is that special nuance that Olivia is talking about where you we have to challenge our clients enough to where they don't want to watch the clock, but not so much to where they get frustrated. So workouts all one size fits all in order to help our clients achieve flow, we really have to tap into their intrinsic motivation and find that state of, of, of um, in their exercise experience where they're challenged sufficiently and they're loving the experience that they don't even want to watch the clock. So um, Olivia, before we move on, I want to reintroduce you. I'm talking to Olivia Ellis and we're talking about harnessing the power of positive psychology. And really what I wanted to do was talk about how we all seem to be in this pursuit of happiness, but how can we apply concepts of PERMA, which is what Olivia is talking about, to build a good life instead of trying to be happy all the time? What if we just focus on living a good life? So Olivia, let's go on to in the PERMA equation, if you will. Let's talk about those um, positive relationships 
because we touched on them. But when I think about positive relationships, I think how amazing would it be if we could all hang around with people who make us feel loved and valued and supported? Because as human beings, isn't that what attaches us to other human beings is Olivia, if you listen to me and it feels like you're hanging on my every word with bated breath and vice versa, I really feel connected to you and I want to spend more time with you. So how do you think you can guide people to build positive relationships? Because in the end, some people are just in bad relationships or they have a bad boss but there's still other areas of our lives that I fully believe we can still find good, healthy relationships. What, what are your thoughts on that? Angie, I feel like this is a whole, a whole, we could do a whole series on this week <laughs> where we talk about relationships. Um, in terms of the fitness industry, I think some of the research I would want to pull from is a concept called uh, capitalization, which is, which essentially means something good or something exciting. What is your response to it? So, uh, for example, if some if a client comes up to you and says, "I just hit this huge milestone that I've been working on for so long," and then a personal trainer responds with that same level of excitement that's a beautiful moment, right? Where the person sharing their successes feels that they were heard and that you're excited for them. And uh, so not only does it help to build the positive emotions for each person, but also helps to strengthen the relationship in general. So capitalization, uh, meeting someone where they're at, when, they're, when they share something good, that you're able to meet them at the same level of excitement that they're at. And then I think the other thing that I want to mention for positive, healthy relationships is taking a step back and recognizing healthy relationships don't only have to be in terms of romantic interests or close friends or family members, how everyday interactions that we have, even with strangers, can be considered loving experiences. So a lot of the research on love right now is actually looking at momentary experiences of love. So those daily experiences that maybe have mutual care, mutual concern, the shared positive emotion, and what's referred to as uh, biobehavioral synchrony. So we have similar body language or our hearts are beating in rhythm. And this is uh this term is co it's coined positivity resonance, and it was coined by uh, Barbara Fredrickson. And so positivity resonance is a theory of momentary experiences of love. So just in every day, if they have those three components, um, it could be considered a loving experience, which I find to be really interesting because then if we take a step back, we can build these positive relationships and we can actually increase our levels of well-being based upon relationships, just from everyday momentary experiences, such as if I'm holding the, uh, the door open for someone, uh, can I create a more positive experience for that, that person in that moment? And I think when it comes to the fitness industry, where this can be extremely powerful is if we have a fitness facility that is clean and gorgeous, and it has all these amenities, 
what really tends to draw people back are those positive relationships. Yeah. So uh, creating that good experience for someone. And so even uh, even if we're looking at, po at positive, we could look at positive relationships in terms of the close relationships that we have in our lives, but also those momentary experiences that we have, even within a fitness center that can uh, help to strengthen relationships and improve well-being. You know, that was, that was actually very fascinating. Everything that you said about building positive relationships and all that, um, all the theories and the science actually that's been done behind that. And the whole idea of capitalization, which is just kind of matching somebody else's emotion, matching somebody else's excitement. And I feel like as a mom, I remember always doing this with my daughters. They would come home and share something with me. And they would be all excited. And I would just naturally, as a mom, you match emotion and you get as excited as they are. And so um, what a powerful thing to remember in relationships and in intimate relationships and relationships with friends and people that we teach fitness classes to. Because I went to check into a hotel the other day over the weekend and the gal who checked me in acted like I was the most exciting person she's ever met. And she couldn't be more excited to be checking me into this hotel. And my whole experience about being in this hotel automatically was just like, wow, I love this place. And I'm so happy to be here because we really set the tone for people when we greet them, when we say goodbye to them, when we, like you said, we hold the door for them. So even if you're not in the best relationship at home or you're working with a client who's not in a great relationship at home, that's even more of an opportunity for you to create a powerful difference for them, for you to meet them where they're at, be excited about their stories or um, match their level of, of whatever it is that they're bringing to you. You know, being able to feel empathy when they need empathy. So uh, great, uh, great thoughts about positive relationships, Olivia. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you, Angie. And I, I love that story. And it really calls to the power of how that can be applied to pretty much anywhere we go. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about meaning because the, uh, the other part of PERMA is meaning and how to create meaning in our lives, how to live with purpose. And so many times with clients, even um, I talk to a lot of clients who are in midlife and beyond, and it feels like they're back in their 20s again, where they're like, I feel like I just got out of college and I don't know what to do with my life. It's that whole revisiting of a stage of life, only it's different. So now I'm in midlife and beyond and I might be getting close to retirement and um, not me personally, I'm never going to retire by the way. Side note, um, but the, what am I gonna do with my life now? How am I gonna create meaning if I, if I stop working or if I quit my job? So how do we find meaning and purpose in our lives? And this is a a big chunk of stuff for everyone in their lives, no matter what, what gets us out of bed is when we feel like our life has meaning and, and purpose. People want us to show up. <laughs> so take off with meaning. What do, how do I, how do I create more meaning in my life or teach my clients how to create more meaning? Yeah. Angie, I love how you talked about the complexity in terms of, it's not like we wake up one day and we have 
this meaning in life and it just stays with us for the rest of our lives, right? Uh, the same thing goes with kind of the other elements of PERMA too, where it's not like I have this perfect level of positive emotions and I'll have that for the rest of my life and that is it. It is a constant process where we need to reassess, uh, make sure that we're staying in alignment with, uh, with what our goals are. In terms of meaning, we could also have things that are outside of ourselves that impact whether we're able to pursue what is meaningful in our lives. I think about COVID-19 as being a big part of that and how uh, for the fitness industry, we might have found a lot of meaning at work and there might have been a lot of challenges to being able to pursue what we found to be meaningful at work. And or in terms of if we find real meaning in being a parent and every day we wake up and we're able to really explore that, but then children move out of the house, uh, our meaning, our, our feelings of our sense of meaning, uh, we might need to change or, or adapt there too. There's a lot of interesting um, research too on people who are actively choosing to have second careers after retirement to, to continue to pursue other, other senses of meaning. So uh, I guess my response there would be to understand that it is a normal process where one day we could feel like we have strong levels of, of meaning in our lives and how another day we might need to reassess and try different things, uh, pursue different things that we might find to be meaningful. Uh, and again, it could be family related. It could be a social cause that we find great meaning in or mm -hmm. it could be career related. And so really being able to explore and, and figure out at different times in our lives what we find to be meaningful to us. Right. And it's so true that just because we have deep meaning in our lives doesn't mean that tomorrow it might not all change. And I definitely think that the pandemic shifted people's sense of meaning and direction and even their sense of purpose. Um, and so it is this constant reevaluation of and it has to do with our priorities and our value system. I mean, we find the most meaning and, and the greatest sense of purpose when we're doing things that align with our values. And so um, that makes complete sense. And for, you know, people in midlife, a lot of times they start um, um, working down the clock, meaning I'll talk to clients who are like, well, I'm, I'm five years from retirement. I'm not going to quit now, but my job doesn't give me the same sense of purpose and meaning that it once did. And so that's where, like you mentioned, Olivia, then it might need to be something outside of your job. Maybe it's a side hustle or maybe it's a creative endeavor that gives you this deeper sense of meaning and purpose. It doesn't have to come from our jobs. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I agree. And, um, and it's so I think that COVID-19 has really challenged a lot of us in many ways and to, to continue to find meaning in, in other areas or pivot how we are pursuing our same sense of meaning. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. It's a pivot. And, and we're taking a lot of pivots, especially during the pandemic. So we're, do, we're doing a lot of pivots along the way. So the last part of PERMA, I know, is that accomplishment or that sense of achievement and I know 
there are, I feel like there are a lot of people in the fitness industry who are wired to be um, really good at having a lot of things going on, uh, really good at having side hustles. And I do feel like as a whole, the fitness industry, we tend to be achievement oriented. But when I think about being achievement oriented, I think about not just starting something, but being able to finish it. Because some people get so excited about the beginning of a project and that's where they're, that's where like the magic lies for them, but then they don't quite get to completion. <laughs> so uh, when I think about accomplishment, I think true accomplishment is you start something, you finish it and you see it through to the end. But what, what, what do you think about accomplishment and how to develop accomplishment in terms of living a good life? I agree. And I think that one way that we can actually accomplish what we are looking to achieve is by setting those smaller short-term goals so that it's a little bit more manageable than those larger, those larger, big, audacious goals, which we might have, but we might want to set those smaller short-term goals to help us get to those larger goals so that we can really see things through. And then at the end of, after we achieve those, those small short-term goals, we can look back, we can uh, recognize what we achieved, what we accomplished, feel good about it. And then it's kind of this positive upward spiral where then we're inspired to set more short-term goals that help get us to those big, larger goals that we might have. Um, so we keep setting those short-term goals and then hopefully we're achieving them and then continuing to set more short-term goals. So I think that that setting those short-term goals and even intermediate goals can be a really great way to, at the end of the day, feel that feeling of accomplishment. Yeah. And I, I agree. Cause I think with the whole accomplishment endeavor is that we are a quick moving society. We like things kind of quick, kind of fast. And so I think having shorter term goals, it definitely inspires me. I mean, if I, if I have a really big project that I'm working on, it can feel so overwhelming. And for me personally, I have to realize that if I break it up into smaller pieces, then it's these short-term goals and I get to say, okay, I completed a chapter today and then tomorrow I'll complete another chapter. So I think that's pretty powerful. Um, Olivia, I want to reintroduce you one more time. I'm talking to Olivia Ellis. We're talking about harnessing the power of positive psychology. And there's one last thing that I really want to ask you, and that is about love and, and the influence or the impact of love in helping us all to build positive emotion and experience a better life, living a good life. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> I no pun intended, but I love the question. <laughs> okay. Maybe pun intended. Um, yeah. So when we're talking about those momentary experiences of love, that, that positivity resonance that can be experienced anywhere between any two people at any point, it actually can contribute to our levels of well-being. So uh, being able to have those momentary experiences and uh, which I think is very powerful. So when we're talking about creating uh, more positive emotions in people and increasing our positive relationships, looking at those momentary experiences of love can be really powerful in terms of a way to help, help accomplish that. 
Yeah. And you know, we can, we can extend feelings of quote love to our clients. We don't have to love our clients in an intimate way, but, but like you said, just that, that sense of being understood and valued and, and held in a space where they know that we are 100% there for them. And I feel like that's what love's got to do with it. I feel like there's just not a lot of love or not enough love in the world sometimes and that we can love one another, even if we don't agree with one another. We can love our clients in such a way that makes them feel valued and worthy and understood. You know, I went to lunch with my boss today and I felt loved. I felt like she listened to what I had to say and I felt valued by her um, as a part of the organization, but also just um, holding space with me and making me feel like I was important. And I feel like it's those small things that we can do with people on an everyday basis. So that's my two cents about love, Olivia. <laughs> and um, I'm glad to hear that you feel that you can experience that in the, in the workplace too. Yeah, it's very powerful. It really is. So Olivia, thank you so much for kind of coming on and enlightening us about the power of positive psychology, because I think it is, it's far more than pop psychology. It is, and it's not just psychology about how to be happy. It's psychology about living a good life and playing off of concepts that um, not in a way to dismiss pathology and mental illness, but in a way to say, okay, but there are times in our lives we feel really wonderful. And how do we bottle that up and teach people how to find more ways to feel wonderful. So thanks so much, Olivia, for joining us. And thanks to all of our NASM and APA audience for coming on and sharing with us today. So I look forward to seeing you next week. Mm -hmm.